This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome back, all of you beautiful people, to Spicier Than Therapy, the podcast where we discuss polyamory, ethical non-monogamy, communication, neurodiversity, kink, and all of the wonderful things that we think go into making a healthy, loving relationship. Hey, twin, what are we going to do today? The same thing we do every day, my love. Try to take over the interwebs. Hell to the yes, it is our favorite thing to do. And, you know, we do a pretty good job of it, I think. So for all of you that are coming back and listening to our episodes and following along, thank you. We appreciate you. We've been getting a lot of really good feedback on our episodes on our Discord channel and on Instagram. And I think you got some feedback on Twitter as well, Twin. So um, thank all of you for rating us and giving us five stars on Spotify and Apple. I can't see the ratings on Google for some reason, but I appreciate all of you following along with us. Yeah, it means so much to us, you guys, to hear back from you. And we really appreciate you pitching in and helping make this show the insane, beautiful disaster that it is. Absolutely. And we've been more successful with this podcast than we thought we would be. So, and that's due to each and every one of you who has been listening along with us. And next week, some of our videos drop on our YouTube channel. So you can start seeing us on YouTube as well and watch along with these podcasts, uh, spicier than therapy on the tube of Eunice. But for today, we are going to be continuing our series on BDSM and kink. And so last week, we gave you an introduction to BDSM and to the kink world. We defined some great um, keywords for you. We also went over some of the concepts involved in the BDSM world, as well as talked about some of the red flags that we see most frequently. But today, we're actually going to be talking about my favorite topic when it comes to the BDSM world, which is vetting. Now, vetting to me is such an important topic that does not get talked about enough, in my opinion, within the scene. Like, everybody's going to talk about it in your local community, or they should be anyways, if it's a good community. But in terms of a lot of the online presence and the prevalence of the BDSM and King community, it doesn't get discussed near enough, in my opinion. Exactly. Yeah, there's all kinds of information out there, you know, on TikTok, on FetLife, on all of the usual uh, criminals, if you will, the usual suspects. Uh, there's all sorts of information out there about what to do once you're in the scene, but not so much about how to get into it or how to meet people within the community. Um, so we wanted to make sure that we took some time to talk to you guys about that. And then also, I just wanted to very quickly throw out a quick disclaimer to all of you. As always, Everything we're going to be talking about today is from our own personal experience. It is from our own personal opinions. This is how we go about doing things. We are not telling you that this is how you have to do it. We are just recommending that this is a very healthy way to do it. 
pick and choose as you will. And we'll go through, as we go through different points, we will reiterate that. But again, this is from our experience. This is from our more so tiers expertise and take it with a grain of salt like you would anybody else. Okay. Okay. That's a great point, and we mention it on every one of our episodes, but it bears repeating. There is no one true way or one right way to be in the kink or BDSM world, right? Everything is customizable. This happens to be ours. It works very well for us, and we think it is a very healthy way to approach kink and BDSM, but it is by no means the only way. And so we always mention to people, look, take our advice, take other people's advice, seek out tons of different perspectives and different sources of information. The people out there saying, oh, this is the way you must do it, or this is the way you have to do it. Those aren't the kind of people we hang around with anyway. Exactly. As always, this is not the way to do it. It's a way to do things. So let's jump right into it. What is vetting? So, you know, the textbook, um, definition of vetting is to critically examine something. And that's a really good one. And in terms of the BDSM or kink world, it's basically getting to know you, right? Getting to know your potential dom, your potential sub, your potential play partner. It is a period of time where you are critically examining that other person for compatibility and safety for yourself and for the dynamic. Now, I will say right here at the onset, vetting is going to look different, right? For everybody. And it's going to look different based on the type of relationship you're looking for. When I vet someone, if I'm vetting them for a 24 seven uh, relationship, it's going to be a lot more in depth and a lot more complex than I'm going to go through the process if I'm just vetting a play partner or someone who wants a scene specific dynamic. Now, I will still ask many, many, many of the same questions, but it's going to be very different depending on the relationship that I want and the relationship that they want. Absolutely. And you need to keep in mind, guys, too, that, and we'll go over this more, we'll explain the differences as we go, but something to keep in mind is that a criterion for vetting, the things that we look for, change from dom to sub to little to caretaker to whatever your dynamic is, your vetting style will change based on that dynamic. So again, this is why we're just kind of giving you a sort of general guide to work off of, um, because this is all going to come down to you and your dynamic that you're looking for. Perfectly, perfectly said. Now, why is vetting important? Well, from the sub perspective, it's important because of your own personal safety, because you are either exchanging or relinquishing control to another person, either in the context of a scene or in a relationship or whatever. It's important for you to fully vet your potential DOM or D type so that you know that you are safe. You know that you are secure in whatever type of play you're going to engage in. And then from the Tom perspective, it's also important because you want to know that you have that level of compatibility with the other person so that you as a Dom are safe so that you have, you can uh, fully say to them, I am experienced enough in this area that you're looking for to know what I'm doing. And if I don't, I might not be 
the DOM for you. So it's very important when you're going through this process that you have full, honest, open, and transparent communication and sharing between the two people. Because just because you have an experienced DOM and you have an experienced sub, does not mean they will be in a successful, healthy dynamic if there are other factors that aren't compatible. So it's very important that you go through this vetting process, which can take anywhere, I say this all the time, between three and six months if you are vetting appropriately. Right. And it's something else to keep in mind that, you know, as we go through, you will probably find that our vetting process that we describe is one that is very similar to what you would go through if you were dating. That is not a coincidence. Regardless of whether or not the dynamic itself is going to have a romantic tilt, you should know just as much about that other person that you are getting into this relationship with as you would if you were actually going to be seeking them as a romantic partner. You should absolutely know whether or not you will be safe with them, whether you're the dom or the sub or whatever. You need to know that not only are you going to be physically safe, but mentally as well as, you know, reputation-wise. Not everybody is out. Not everybody wants to be out. And that's okay. That is why you should 100% think of this as a form of dating, in my opinion. Again, whether or not you're going into this with the intent of it being romantic in nature. Right? Like, if you were just, take kink out of it for a second. If you were just going out on a first date with someone, and you had a great time, and you're like, hey, we're vibing. You're not immediately going to say on the next date, all right, let's move in together and get married. You want to get to know someone first. You want to know more about them, their background, their history, different levels of compatibility than just, hey, we had a fun time at dinner and dancing. Will we also have a fun time doing other things? So it's similar to that. Exactly. I mean, I've said this before in videos, but Tyr and I were supposed to have just been a happy, fun weekend, you know? And then as we got to talking and vetting each other and getting to know, you know, what backgrounds, what therapy, what et cetera that we'll get into here, um, you know, as, as we got to know each other, that's why it became romantic for us. That is not going to be everybody's scenario. And that's okay. Not everybody wants that. We didn't even want it at first. And yet here we are. Shit happens, you know, but it's just a matter of ensuring that you are, you and the other person or persons, whichever, are all protected as much as possible. Absolutely. So as we jump into this, I will say, you know, we're going to split it up uh, going through the vetting process from both a dom and sub perspective. From my perspective, I'm going to be talking about the process that I use for vetting a 24-7 relationship. Back in the pro-dom days, I used a slightly different process. And definitely if I'm looking for just a scene-specific relationship, uh, that's going to be a different process. So as we talk, about the overall steps that I'm going through from the Dom perspective, know that I am doing it from a 24-7 DS relationship perspective. And also just something I want to throw out real quickly because we won't we won't probably get into this too too much as we go further. 
how somebody responds to you during the vetting process is going to be very indicative of how they would respond to you in the dynamic. So as we go over these things and as you implement them, if you decide to, in your own experiences in the real world, please, please, please pay attention to how the other person you're vetting responds to these things because that is going to be very telling on how they are going to treat you once you are in this dynamic, this relationship with them. Yeah, perfect, perfect point. This process, just like when you're getting to know somebody when you're dating them, should be open, should be honest. If someone starts to equivocate in some of their responses when you ask them specific questions, that's going to make your little red flag alert radar go off, right? It would do that when you're dating. It should absolutely do the same thing if you're betting a dom or a sub. If I am talking with someone um, and they start to hedge around some of their answers, my alert radar is going to go off, right? I'm going to start paying more attention to how they're responding and not just what they're responding with. All right, so let's jump into it, right? Let's talk about the vetting process from the Dom perspective. The way I like to look at vetting is it's a series of conversations, a series of dates, a series of about 10 to 15 different in-depth discussions on everything, right? And whether I, I met someone in person uh, at a local community event or whether I met them online, the approach is going to be much the same. So if they're a part of the kink community and I'm a part of the kink community, the first thing I'm going to do is just have a little, just kind of a simple conversation. You know, what's your name? Where are you from? Tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me about what brings you joy, what brings you passion, those sort of things. It's a lot of the same getting to know you questions I would do with anyone, whether I'm meeting a brand new friend at a restaurant or somebody that I am looking to get into a relationship or a dynamic with. Now, after that first meeting, if we are both deciding, hey, we kind of like each other's vibe, we like the way we interact, we think there is something there, let's get to know each other a little bit deeper. I generally try to set that second meeting up in person, because you can get a lot more done uh, in person. You can tell body language, you can tell kind of voice style, but I've also done this on the internet, right? I've also done this over video calls and video chats, text messages, emails, all that stuff. I much prefer having this done in person though. You didn't seem to mind when we were just texting and calling. True, but we're talking about pure vetting for a DS dynamic and not just play partners that ended up turning into something else. The next step that I generally go to right after that first date is I have a form because of my background as a kind of type A personality type, also because of the type of Dom that I am and because of my regular corporate nine to five job, I love spreadsheets, right? So I have an entire four page form that I will have a potential sub fill out that asks a multitude of questions. And generally, when I'm looking at uh, to establish a DS relationship or to see if we're compatible, at this point, I'm looking for a bunch of different things. But the three main ones that I'm looking for are compatibility with kinks, 
mental acuity and stability at that time, and then their level of interest. So this form, and I've had other people use it when they're going through their vetting process to look for a new dom or to look for a new sub, covers any everything. So I want to know their background uh, in kink. Are they brand new to the scene? Are they experienced? How many years of experience have they have? But one of the first questions on that form, and it's generally one I ask in person because I like to see how people respond, is why? Why are you in the BDSM world? Or why do you want to be a part of the BDSM world? What are your motivations behind seeking out a DS dynamic with anyone, not even specifically me? What is it about kink that draws you into this world? Right. And these are all points where you really, really, really want to be um, looking for those red flags, you know, particularly if you are somebody who is femme presenting, you really want to be looking for those red flags. What sort of, you know, as Tier was mentioning, what passions do they have? Why are they in kink is a very easy one to tell you and probably give the best indicators for red flags. You know, if they are in, if they are in it for what you feel is the wrong reason for you, because everybody's different again, you know, if you feel like their answer for why they're in kink is unhealthy, you are absolutely within your right. And I would even go so far as to say you are responsible for drawing the line. If you're uncomfortable at that part, you need to draw the line. Absolutely. Especially, especially if you are coming at this as a dom vetting a potential sub. Great points. And because people are one of my passions, right? Knowing what drives someone, what motivates someone, what excites someone, what terrifies someone, all of those things are things that I just like to learn about people anyways. But it's especially important to me in a DS relationship to know the answers to those things. Like, what do they get out of being a sub? What are the three things within the world that they're interested in? So this checklist, it, while it's very in-depth, it goes through a lot of those things. And what I'm really looking for, you know, like I mentioned, is compatibility. You know, just because they're an experienced sub, maybe they're looking for a type of edge play that either I don't prefer or I don't provide. If they're looking for a 24-7 dynamic and they like things that I don't like, we're not going to be compatible and vice versa. If I, the way I practice as a Dom isn't things that they enjoy, I'm not going to be the right Dom for them. So all of that kind of feeds into the compatibility between us as we're talking over the series of interviews and dates, if you will. But another important thing, like I mentioned that second point, where are they at in their mental journey? Where are they at on a mental acuity level? Are they going to therapy? Are they healing from past traumas? Are they utilizing kink to heal from past traumas? Are they using it as a replacement for therapy? If I'm taking on a 24-7 sub, all of these are things that are important for me to know because one of my jobs as a dom isn't just to you know be in control and lead a scene or a session, but also to help them with their own personal growth and development. Do they want to finish their degree? Do they need help managing their household? You know, if they're looking for a 24-7 caretaker dom, these are the things I need to know about them. You know, kind of what does their schedule look like? 
on the flip side of that, because I enjoy things like restraints and impact play and other certain types of play, I need to know any physical limitations they have, any health concerns that they have. And so, you know, as you're kind of vetting someone for um, a submissive, it's important for me to know, have they had surgeries? You know, are, are they kind of looking to, you know, avoid certain types of play due to physical health concerns? Do they have a heart problem? You know, things like that. All of those are very, very important to me. And then going into that third point after compatibility, mental health and stability and physical health is kind of looking at, you know, what drives them and what motivates them. So one of the questions that I always ask are, um, one of the questions that I always ask is, what are you afraid of? What terrifies you? What brings fear into your heart? I want to make sure that I never have a sub that here hits that terrified state. I also want to know, you know, what kind of um, play they've experienced before, what stuff they've always been interested in, and what type of play kind of scares them. You know, scaring them a little bit is fine. You know, pushing against some of those soft limits, uh, but definitely never the hard limits, is fine. I never want any of my subs to hit a point where they're terrified. And then also included on that form are hard limits and soft limits because you should always be discussing limits you should always be discussing types of consent and you should always be discussing things like safe words verbal communication nonverbal communication all of that is covered on those forms exactly it is so 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 important that you truly 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 get to know this person on such a deep level again if only for their you know psychological well-being you know you need to understand like Tier mentioned what fears they have which fears you can press a little bit because you know like an exciting fear is one thing but actually genuinely being terrified of something is an entirely different matter being accidentally triggered is an entirely different matter so it is really important that you understand this person, what their motivations are, and, you know, everything else to your mention, right? Because the other part of that is once you truly know that person, that's when you can get into your goals for BDSM. Why are you getting into this dynamic? What do you want to get out of it? You know, and are you, like to your mentioned, are you getting into this as you know, in addition to therapy or instead of therapy, which I personally would consider a red flag, but there it is. Are you doing it in addition to, is this a form of catharsis for you, which is totally healthy and completely valid, by the way, you know, what are you, what is your motivation behind getting into this? And you need to understand those things so that you can both properly manage expectations as to where and how and what this relationship, this dynamic is going to evolve into. All fabulous, fabulous points. And so the more I go through these vetting interviews and vetting dates, once they filled out the form and gotten it back to me, I want them to know the same things about me that I want to know about them, right? There should be that back and forth period of transparent communication. And if they're an experienced sub, I want to know about their past partners. I want to know about their past dynamics. Uh, even better, if I can speak with their past doms or I can speak with their past community members, see they're standing within the local community, and then I can ask why. Why 
did their last DS relationship end? There's no wrong answer there, but there may be an answer in there that isn't compatible with me and the type of dynamic that I'm looking for. So like Twin mentioned, not only those goals within the relationship themselves, but their own personal goals. You know, what are they trying to achieve in life? How do they want me to assist with that? Or do they want me to assist with that at all? Um, it's something that I like doing. So if somebody was like, no, I don't want you to help with my personal life at all. Probably wouldn't be compatible with me, but it's something I ask. Total little sidebar, but I wish y'all had seen how adorable Tear was when we first got together and I was telling him about my business plan to start my production company and all that, which has since been waylaid for health reasons. But uh, watching this man go full, like, okay, here's what we're going to do and laying out the entire plan for me, as well as deadlines and other constraints um, was so cute. And I loved it so much. <laughs> Look, I work in corporate America. I like a business plan. I like a pro forma. So, <laughs> and I do have kind of an entrepreneurial spirit as well as the OCD that I mentioned earlier. So when Twin was telling me about this, I'm like, yep, here's what we can do. Here's the entire business plan. Show me what you got. Let's go this direction. Are you okay with that? Are you comfortable with that? Blah, blah, blah. So yeah, it was, uh, it was probably adorable looking in from the outside, but I get excited about that sort of stuff. But then, you know, like she was mentioning, we go past the forms and we go past the getting to know you initial phase and into the managing of expectations. So at this point, and this varies, but this is anywhere around a month and a half to two months into the vetting process when we've gotten past some of those compatibility issues, some of those background check issues, and some of the uh, questions relating to why we're both getting into this relationship. And then we start discussing the particulars, managing the time constraints or the commitments of this relationship. If this is going to be a 24-7 dynamic, how often do they want me to check on them? How often do we want to run a scene? How often do we want to be romantic if there is a sexual component to it? Sometimes there aren't. Actually, more often than not, there aren't. Do they want to play in public? Do they want to play in private? So it's all about kind of managing the expectations of the relationship as we go into the final step, which is um, kind of more of a contractual obligation and a contractual step when we hit, you know, month three, four, five, six. But I really want to know, like, if we're not living together, how often are we going to be communicating per day? How often are we going to be seeing each other per week? What do those visits look like? What do they need? What do they expect out of me? And what do I expect out of them? And this is the part where both or all participants absolutely have to be very, very clear about what they want, what their expectations are, et cetera, and so forth. Because if you, this is, this is not the kind of situation where you want to make assumptions that, oh, you're going to check in on me five times a day, but then they only check in on you once and you get in your feelings about it. Like that's not fair to that person. So you have to be very clear and very concise about what you expect. And that goes both ways. If the Dom is not going to be able to check on you or only wants to have to check on you once or twice a day, then they need to be clear about that. 
And those expectations need to be respected, acknowledged, and understood before you guys progress on. Absolutely. Now is not the time to be coy. And I have failed myself as a dom in delivering on some of those expectations in the past because I didn't have the bandwidth to take on what this person was asking for. And it's happened to me in the distant past before in my experience, but also, you know, kind of recently. And it's why I don't take on more than two 24-7 subs at any given point. At one point when I first started my journey, I had three. I could not keep up. So for all you D-types out there, you know, keeping a 24-7 dynamic is an extreme amount of work. Do not bite off more than you can chew. It's not fair to your subs in those relationships. And it's not fair to you as a person. And if you have a whole ass regular day job, it will probably suffer as well. <laughs> but also part of that whole process is going through the emotional and mental constraints that may exist when you're managing those expectations as well. Like if someone is going through a particular part of their mental health journey, they may need a bit more care and attention paid to them at those periods. So if you're not ready as the D-type to be able to effectively respond to those, don't continue any further in the vetting process. Let the other person know, but always be honest, always be open, always be transparent. So that brings us to our notion of the contract, right? The, the much oft ranted against in the Fifty Shades of Grey sort of thing, right? <laughs> Cue the eye rolls, I know. But the idea of a contract, whether physical, mental, verbal, whatever, isn't inherently a bad idea, y'all. Let's be real. We all enter into contracts all the time, you know, oh, cross my heart. Oh, pinky promise. Oh, you promise, you know, those kinds of things. Those are all little mini contracts. And so in this regard, especially, it's not a bad idea to have some form of, I would say written because I love writing everything down, but you know, some sort of physical copy of like, here's what we're doing. Here's what we're not doing. Here's our hard limits. Here's our you know, go for it. I love it. Woohoo. Do it again. You know, here's what we do in this sort of scenario. Like, and it doesn't, it can be as well thought out or as quick and dirty as you in the dynamic want it to be. But to have that to go back to when things are a little dicey or unsteady is such an amazing tool. Keep in mind, of course, that these contracts are purely symbolic. You know, un unlike Mr. Sign my NDA or you can't be my sub, you know, we're that there's no legal standing for that. All right. Like, let's be real. So that like, just, just don't, <laughs> it's all symbolic. Okay. But they are, they can be, I'll say they can be an important tool. If you just need something to look back onto as like a sort of quick notes version of what you're getting into. See, and I am a very big fan of written contracts for much of the same reasons that Twin already pointed out. It's nice to be able to refer back to something that reminds you of A, why you got into the dynamic in the first place, but also how you set it up and how you structured 
your relationship. And the best part about these contracts is they should be changed and negotiated on an ongoing basis. If you sign your contract, you go through your six months worth, your three to six months worth of vetting with your partner, and you start getting into the relationship, and you're like, man, this is fantastic. I love this, and I love this, and I love this. But this part, you know, even though it sounded great on paper, it's either not meeting my expectations within the relationship or I want to tweak it slightly, you can and you should always go back and have those ongoing communications, conversations, and negotiations with your partner. And it's also a very helpful tool if everything is going great to look back a year later and say, look where we started. Look how our relationship has evolved in that year. Let's update it. Sometimes it's just fun. And even if the relationship isn't still ongoing, it's an important tool to have. So that way, you know, however many relationships in the future, you can look back and go, oh, wow, I really didn't like when so-and-so did this thing to me, but I did like when that person did it. What was different there? What were we doing differently? And, you know, you can trade and compare notes just like a really, it's a really sexy scrapbook. I love the idea of a sexy scrapbook, especially if it includes pictures. Hey, you made it halfway through the video or the podcast or whichever one you're listening to. Good job. We're very proud of you. Go grab a cookie. Go grab a snack. Something. Don't forget your water and your brain beans. Get your coffee because we love some caffeine. Get you a quick little potty break and then we'll be right back to the rest of the podcast. Welcome back. We went through the entire vetting process kind of at a very high level from the Dom perspective. But now we are going to talk about vetting from the sub perspective, which is similar, but definitely has different things that a sub should pay attention to. Oh, yeah. Well, and so I will, I do want to caveat this just a tiny bit and say that I'm saying this as a sub, I'm going to be describing my criterion as a sub who is very femme presenting, high femme, cis female, you know, the whole deal, right? So my criteria are a lot more strict now because of my experiences in the past. And if you're a male sub or a mask presenting sub, you may have different processes and different levels of importance placed on specific things, but this is from twins' perspective. Thank you, baby. So with that said, a lot of the criteria that I use and would use and will use in the future are very similar to what we described as the criteria for a dom. You know, a lot of the same sort of like dating-esque um, questions, right? Who is this person? But for me personally... A lot of the things, one of the things that I would look for when I'm uh, vetting a dom or a lot of the things that I would look for specifically are community and even a criminal background check. Nothing against you if you do have one. Hell, I do. But what sort of crimes are there would very much impact how I interact with you if I choose to at all from that point on. Right. And from the sub perspective, there's definitely more of an emphasis and importance placed on safety. Whereas from the Dom perspective, yeah, that still exists as well, but it's more along the lines of compatibility and expectations. It's important 
for use ofs to check the criminal and personal background history of the potential dom you're looking to get into a relationship with as well as their standing within their local or national or regional community how do other people within the community view them are they viewed as safe are they viewed as someone who respects boundaries and limits and consent exactly and i saw a video on TikTok just the other day and i forget who posted it i will try to find it and add her name in the comments below or in the description for the video another creator that i saw the other day brought up a good point of i don't always listen to the first negative feedback i get about a person i will keep it in mind i'm not ignoring it i will keep it in mind but if i don't hear more then i tend to kind of brush things off um just a teeny teeny bit again not that i'm ignoring it i'm just keeping it in the back of my mind in case i see patterns that are indicative of that behavior returning but it's when i start hearing the same story from multiple people that i become alarmed and start paying attention and potentially cut off uh access to this person. Wonderful point. Because anybody can have a potential disagreement with someone or their personalities just don't mesh. But it reminds me of a saying that I had from one of my previous family members before they passed away. If one person has something negative to say about you, fine, brush it off, keep moving forward, do you. If more than two people are saying the same thing about you, it may be time to sit and reflect upon yourself to see if there's some truth in that. So I think the same thing holds true here. Exactly. So my final thing that I really look for with uh, regard to finding a dom, and this is a little bit more scene specific. So, you know, pick and choose if you, if this would apply to you. But one of the other major, major factors that I look at is particularly because of what I enjoy doing I look for if they have medical or first aid experience. I do. I don't have any formal training, but just because I'm accident prone, I have gotten really good at keeping the red stuff on the inside, okay? <laughs> and because of my kinks and what I enjoy and the things I like to do and have done to me, I need to have a partner with some sort of medical first aid training, particularly because for the millionth time, I'm not the healthiest person. I have heart issues. I have blood flow issues. If I'm doing shibari, for example, I cannot have a partner that doesn't understand what happens if my arms are above my head too long or if I'm suspended the wrong way. I need to have somebody that is going to have a basic understanding of human anatomy if I'm going to get into shibari. It's not safe for me otherwise. And that's that's just one example. There's a million others depending on what sort of kink and play you're getting into yeah absolutely such vital importance there and when i have other you know subs or s types that i'm friends with and in the community who come to me to either help me or have me help them bet a dom or kind of run background on a dom those are the things that i'm looking for as well they need to have not only some clinical experience but also some cognitive behavioral experience because so much of what is done in a 24 7 ds relationship is psychological is cognitive in its approach and in the capacity so they need to know what they're doing from both sides right and that's why it's so important to understand one more thing about like 
going back to the background checks, right? That's why it's so important to understand who they mentored under, you know, find out if they mentored with anybody, much less who they mentored with. Did that person give them any sort of first aid training? Did that person teach them high protocol and old guard methods? Did they teach them the Gorian methods? You know, those things are completely valid parts of the community. And while I am not necessarily a fan of some of their practices, I do understand the history there, which we'll be getting into in future episodes. So stick around. Um, but, you know, that's an important part of the BDSM culture for a variety of reasons that needs to be looked into and respected. And so that's why it's important to understand where your potential dom or top, however you want to refer to them, you know, you need to understand where their background is and who they were taught by and what their background is. Right? We want to know what type of training they've received. Who were they trained by? Just because someone has experience, tons of experience in one aspect, if you're wanting someone who has, you know, five plus years experience with Shibari, and you've got you know, a potential Dom over here that has 10 years experience in everything but Shibari, well, they're probably not going to be exactly who you're looking for. So uh, another thing to consider when you're looking into, you know, who did they train under? If they mentor others, talk to some of their mentees. And this is a, a point that I always want to make. Just because someone taught a class once on a topic doesn't make them an expert in that field. Anyone can teach a class and can teach it horribly. But for a lot of people that um, kind of portray themselves as educator, educators, talk to people that have attended their demonstrations or their seminars or their conferences or their classes. Get some feedback from other doms within the scene who have seen them practice. Because there's a lot of difference between someone teaching you textbook ways to you know, crack a whip or having someone see the practical application of that whip, right? So definitely do your due diligence if you're a sub. Right. And again, I just want to emphasize, it's not enough for them to know how to do a thing. They need to know how to fix it when shit hits the fan because it will. It's inevitable. It is statistically, you know, whatever. But there's always that 1% chance that something will go wrong. And they need to know how to handle that situation. So again, that's why you have to know what their background is and how capable they are of handling a crisis, which is why, again, I go back to get to know their past partners, their subs, who have they interacted with? How did they treat those people that they had, you know, that they were responsible for, you know, let's call it what it is. They were responsible for that partner, for that sub. How did they treat them? How did they act? How did they speak about those partners and those subs? Because, oh, good Lord, if there is anything I have learned in 31 years on this planet, it is that if you are interacting with somebody that has a chain of crazy exes, you need to run the other direction fast. Absolutely. How do they speak about others? How do they treat others? It's similar to when you go out uh, with someone on a first date. How do they treat the wait staff? How do they treat the people that are the service staff to them? Do they treat them well with respect, with dignity, like humans? 
or do they look down their nose upon someone? If someone, I use that as a litmus test for dates. If they treat the wait staff poorly, we're done. Mm -hmm. We're done. Oh, absolutely. They have a former bartender and server. Mm -mm, I'm not playing any games with that one. So that brings me to my next question. Do you, as the sub, feel safe with that partner? You know, to be a little bit hyperbolic and add a little comedy in here. Would you be okay being alone in an alley with this person? Would you feel safe? You know, like that. I know that sounds like a bit dramatic, but I've been around people that you know, we were in a play space and everything was fine and it was supposed to be a safe space, but I could not get rid of the feeling of just ick that overcame me when they were around and I was not even their sub. We just happened to be in a play space and I didn't want them near me. I didn't want them looking at me. I didn't want anything to do with them. And it was very much that sort of, I would not want to be alone in an alley with you, sir. And that's sort of, you know, that's a more extreme version of something that you as a sub potential need to be kind of aware of within your body as far as like your thought patterns, your physical reactions to that person. You know, I know because of trauma, I have physical reactions to scenarios before I even realize that something is wrong, you know, mentally, I may not even notice that I'm feeling some kind of way, but my body knows I'll start shaking. And that is what clues me in to something is wrong. So how is your body responding to that person? Does your body feel safe or is it telling you that you are in danger? Perfect, perfect example. And one of the things that I tell um, a lot of my S-type friends is, how does this person carry themselves? So if you feel safe, how do they carry themselves in a crowd? How do others treat them and respond to them when they're interacting with people? I'm not even talking about at a kink event. I'm talking about it in just plain social settings. If you're looking for a hard dom or a very specific type of dom, do they hold themselves like that all the time? Do they only do it in the bedroom? And nothing is a wrong answer here, but it may not be the right thing for you. So I always like to look at how those doms treat others, how they walk, how they talk. Basically, their entire body language tells me enough about them to at least make me either want to find out more or just not continue the conversation. Yeah. And that brings me to, you know, my final point here is like one more thing to look for. Are they attentive? How much, how much do they pay attention to those small things? You know, me personally with tear, one of the things that really validated how safe I feel with him was the fact that even before our relationship got physical, when we were just having voice chats and, you know, video chats, if I was feeling some kind of way, half the time he figured it out before I did. You know, the our I tell this story a lot. You know, I joke about our the first time we met was because I had an anxiety attack. And I did not realize at first that I was about to have an anxiety attack. He knew before I did. He knew something was wrong. And now granted him asking me what was wrong was what pushed me into the anxiety attack, but it wasn't intentional, right? It wasn't anything that it was his, I mean, 
it was his fault, but it wasn't his fault per se. He was genuinely trying to check on me and ensure that I was okay. I just happened to, to not be. I was just the catalyst. <laughs> he was, and that's okay. That's not his, you know, that that's not his fault. You know, it's not anything he did maliciously. That's just how my brain works. But it was him, you know, but he was asking me like, hey, what's going on? Like you're reading, you're responding to this really weird, you're, you know, and not in a, you know, critical way or anything. He was just genuinely concerned and was like, what's going on? Where is this behavior coming from? And it, that's that evaluation that I was doing within myself is really what was the trigger for the anxiety attack. He was just the one that was like making me think about what was wrong with me. I hope that made sense. Absolutely. Because it's part of our job as doms as well to push a little bit so that we can continue that growth and development, both personally and professionally, if that's part of your dynamic. And sometimes it's uncomfortable to deal with those things, but it's that area of discomfort, sitting with that discomfort, analyzing that discomfort that can lead to some breakthroughs and some forward movement. Well, and especially in this case, because it was so early on in our, you know, dynamic relationship, what have you, combination, was at least him probing in this case was more so him just trying to make sure that he didn't do it again. Not so much of like, he's trying to push me to do anything or get past it. He was just trying to figure out what was going wrong so he could prevent it happening again. And so that's where, you know, that was where one of, that was one of the more, that was probably what made me feel the safest with you was when I realized that you were trying to figure out how not to, you know, quote unquote, break me. So all of this brings me back to managing expectations, right? So after that incident, Tier and I had a lot of talks about what we could do better in the future as far as you know how he could respond better how i could respond better how we could each talk to each other better and you know that has been a huge part of our relationship since then um, because we are able to um, stop and recognize within each other those moments of oh i'm not okay you're not okay and that one is especially powerful for both of us. Absolutely. The, the communication is consistent and is key to a healthy relationship. And we've said it in damn near every episode about everything, not just polyamory, not just kink, not just relationships. That communication is so, so important. And especially during the vetting process between a dom and a sub, when you get down into how do we communicate to each other how do we communicate safe words, both verbally and non-verbally? It's super important. Exactly. And it's not just that you have to know how to communicate the safe words. It's how does that other person respond to safe words? You know, if you are talking to a potential D-type and they're of the, I don't use safe words variety, when you haven't pre-negotiated that that's part of the dynamic, absolutely not. If they get salty because you used a safe word, absolutely not. If they do not like when their subs 
use safe words or they don't allow their subs to use safe words? Absolutely not. Now, again, to clarify, I am not talking about if you are intentionally getting into a total power exchange. I am not talking about if you are intentionally getting into a scenario where there isn't a safe word. If that's your thing, if you trust that person, if you vet that person and you like the cut of their jib, right? And you are okay and comfortable with giving up your power of the safe word. That's fine. Do you, babe? Like more power to you. I am glad you are safe in that scenario. I'm only speaking to the people who are looking to have a safe word, who want to have that safe word and are having it like forcibly, if you will, removed from them or having that option taken off the table by the other person without their consent. Because again, Everything, everything, everything is about consent. Which brings us around to the time and energy commitments that are part of what the sub is vetting for as well. Very similar to the Dom experiences too. How much time and energy are you wanting? Are you requiring from the Dom? You want to manage those expectations the other way as well. And then finally, on the sub side, Reviewing that contract, making sure that you are completely, completely happy with all of the aspects of that contract. You have vetted the person, you feel good about it, you're talking about how you want your relationship to be structured, and then going back through it line by line with your potential partner saying, excellent, this sounds great, this sounds fun, maybe let's tweak this rule or this wording or whatever because it's important that both parties are completely clear and comfortable on what is included in that contract. Finally, as we like to do in recent episodes, we've got a speed round question. Now, I got to do the speed round question for last week, and this week I am turning it over to Twin, so she has her speed round question for me. But before I get into our speed round questions, you guys, y'all, my darling, my dear hearts, we have merch. Don't forget, you can go buy our t-shirts, our tank tops, our super cozy little crop top. I love mine. Um, and support feeding our Grover dog who eats everything in sight. Or Todd, buy her bird feed. Whatever. It's cool. We also will have our PO box open soon, so you'll be able to get uh, send us goodies there if you want to. And uh, I think that's it for my little housekeeping notes I wanted to add. So, querido, my love. Monsavash. Are you ready for your speed round question? Let's effin' go. <laughs> Good. My dear, what is your favorite part of the vetting process? Probably my favorite part of the vetting process is the point where we've had about two or three in-person dates, coffee dates or whatever, and we've decided that we're vibing out and we get to that point where there's a bit more familiarity and there's a bit more flirting and there's a bit more fun. Because again, getting to know someone is, is always a good time. But once you get that level of comfort with somebody, it just starts like firing off on all cylinders. And it doesn't matter whether it's just a regular relationship um, or a 24-7 dynamic or just scene specific. Uh, I love that part of the vetting process because it adds a little flavor, a little zeal, a little bit more spice to the rest of the process. I love that. That absolutely tracks for you. Yeah. 
And on that note, my dears, my loves, my babies, that's all of our time for today. And we've enjoyed talking about betting and we've just scratched the surface about betting, but we've already been on way too long. So if you have more questions about betting, hit us up in our discord, ask there, or maybe we'll end up doing a second episode, but next week we will continue our journey into the BDSM world. But for now, my darlings, please remember, be kind to yourself, be kind to others, give yourself grace, love, and patience. And above all else, go out and do some dope shit. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.